Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Talking About Podcast. I am your host, as always, Daniel Oringer, joined by Sean Kennedy. Sean, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Daniel. This is the the Talking About Tyrese Maxey podcast in large part. Uh, We're going to do a lot of Sixers Summer League talk today, and Maxey's at the forefront of that. But uh, fitting in with our Summer League theme, you just returned from Las Vegas, where you were watching Vegas Summer League action. So what were your first impressions of being uh, in the building for watching rookies and other young players, budding stars in the NBA in action? Are you asking for like just my experience in Vegas or more (laughs) just about the basketball itself? Because I are we going to like, so like, are we going to dive into the basketball more later in the show? Yeah, we don't have to talk about the specific Sixers guys, and we'll we'll save the on court stuff for for later when we're talking about the games and stuff. But yeah, just your your overall impressions of being like what what is summer league like? What are some behind the scenes stuff that you saw going on, and just the the overall atmosphere of the of the experience? Uh, well, first of all, Vegas as a city um, doesn't seem like a real place. But apparently, <laughs> that's true. It's like you're in a different world. <laughs> oh no! It's just everything is dropped in at a random time. Ubers are Uber drivers is like a very legitimate career because everyone needs a ride from like three to five a.m. So it all just kind of works out. Uh, it was very hot, but like I was warned, it was very much dry heat where you're not super sweaty all the time, which is pretty nice. Um, it was actually weird. Once I got back to Philly yesterday, I was it was it felt. It felt more hot yesterday in Philly than it had any day in Vegas. And I was just left confused as to how that could even happen. Um, yeah. yeah, we've had some 90 degree days in Pennsylvania recently. And it's just you walk outside and your shirt is sweaty within 10 minutes just from standing there. No, yeah, I, I tried to walk my, <laughs> tried to walk my dog, Archie, yesterday. Uh, took two steps outside. And when he doesn't want to go on a walk, he just he just plants himself in the grass and, and just falls down. Like he refusing to walk. <laughs> Don't <But>, uh, we all? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, uh, so um, the inside of the arena, at, like for Vegas Summer League, is very, very cool. Um, what you do is you basically buy like a one day pass. There's no like individual game tickets, but you can get a pass for about 50 to $60. That's about what I got mine at. You check in whenever and you can check out whenever. And just the two gyms connect to each other. So you can just go between them all day, which is really nice. Um, I mean, Thomas and Mac, where UNLV plays their games, where like you'll see most of the big ones on TV. But honestly, the better gym is Cox Pavilion, which is more like a high school gym and has a very, very cool atmosphere like watching it. So the Sixers played on the Mavs and Thomas and Mac, they played the Hawks and Cox Pavilion. 
and it's just very cool having everything kind of sitting on top top of you you're just so close to the real like at Thomas and Mac you still feel like you're watching like an NBA game where you're a little bit have some distance from the players at Cox Pavilion you really do feel like you're just sitting there right next to them it's all pretty cool yeah high level high level competition in an intimate setting is always a a great experience um I, I know why they don't do that kind of thing more because there's revenue and you, you want as many fans in the building as possible to maximize revenue streams but it, it would be cool if there were more like one-off game settings where they they tried to create more of an intimate atmosphere um i think that'd be a really fun thing to do but yeah that's 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 awesome that uh i didn't realize the two the two venues connected like that um oh no yeah but, it's, it is not like you can be at one game and say oh i want to go because that's the thing like people go to vegas off for the summer league like i mean they're playing people go spectators a lot of people either working in media or in the league themselves go you know network and stuff it's a lot of connecting with other people who just because it's the one thing where like everybody's at so there's a lot of times when people aren't watching games but you have to make run through to another meeting to meet up with someone so that all makes it pretty easy too. Although I will say, though probably the worst part, I did not expect to spend as much money on Ubers and food as I did in Vegas because holy crap are the prices outrageous. <laughs> yeah. There was not a single water fountain that I could find that was working. Every, every water fountain had either been removed or shut down so that I would be forced to buy a water bottle for like six and a half dollars. Yeah, the move is definitely to go to some sort of like retail store and buy the big jugs and then leave them in your hotel room and then have a reusable water bottle that you, you fill up occasionally. Um, yeah, any any sign of single serving thing in Vegas that you buy is going to be incredibly expensive. Um, but that's it's the price you pay for living in this alternate reality for a few days where you never know what time of day it is and you can just walk down the street with a drink in your hand and it's it's definitely a, a different world for sure um yeah. so I, I think i think our listeners have to know did you did you i know you're probably very basketball focused did you there's a lot of great concerts in vegas that, that could have been a great opportunity for you <laughs> i did not go to a concert I, that is still that that if that is on my bucket list, which I honestly don't know if it is, it is still unch- unchecked. Okay, so no, no shows either. Vegas very, very famous for their their show entertainment. No, I, I mean I walked around at night, but I did not go to any shows. <laughs> okay, maybe next time you can check out a, a Cirque du Soleil performance or something. <laughs> yeah, maybe. So uh, yeah, we should probably get to the the basketball action. Mm-hmm. So. Sixers have been looking tremendous. Um, they're, they're three, we'll call them their star sophomores of Tyrese Maxey, Paul Reed, and Isaiah Joe have definitely have a lot of too good for summer league vibes. And uh, Maxey, especially after getting the, the postseason run he had, but they, they didn't have summer league last year uh, due to COVID, obviously. So I, I totally understood why they would want to see these guys in that setting and get them more developmental work and uh yeah so why why don't you just you were in the building so give us your your first impressions of what you saw from the Sixers well yeah so Maxie was like it was a surprise to some people that he was going to play summer league after he had such a good playoff run because I mean like you said it's a typical trope he is too good for summer league 
But it does make sense when you look at a team like the Grizzlies, who have had Desmond Bain playing, where they obviously both had very good rookie seasons and are going to get NBA rotation minutes this next season. But I think they're both the Sixers and the Grizzlies wanted to see what they look like as primaries in certain situations. So kind of putting them in this setting where they have to be the ones doing most of the off-dribble shooting, initiating sets, kind of running the team. They just want to give them those reps. That makes sense. And like guys like Isaiah Joe and Paul Reed, you know, obviously, despite having for second round picks, having very good rookie seasons definitely could use more time in summer. Like it all makes sense. Um, yeah, like, dude, Tyrese Maxey, I don't know how he was already a strong dude. Seeing him in person, he definitely put on muscle. He looks bigger than he he did before. Like he just added more muscle, and he was, and he basically he every when he was going up against summer league, he can get his shoulder past them. He then has so much flexibility, he leans into them, and then he has the touch to finish over. It's just the same thing every every time. And oh, with him and Jaden Springer were doing to the Mavs, Tyrell Terry was not very fair. As <laughs> Terry is a lot skinnier than both of them. And he just could not engage with either of them. So it was just a very rough time the entire way. But, yeah, I mean, like, Sean, do you think there could have been anything more from Maxi we want to see? Or this, like, exactly what we wanted to see from Tyrese? Because I think that's what I, where I'm leaning. Like, this is basically exactly what I wanted from him. Barring his, like, suddenly being a 40% three-point shooter or something, that like, there's nothing more you could want to see out of him. Um, I, and... I think that's that's like the potential final step in his evolution is to just be a guy that people have to they respect the outside shot because that's a, that's the thing he's been so willing to take yeah them. they are guarding him out there because he can make them and he dude in the Hawks game he took he dribbled down the court went into a behind the back cross one time when given a ball screen then pulled like most NBA players won't take that shot and. He missed it, but he forced like the guy to jump out and contest him because they are worried about Tyrese Maxey scoring at all times. And I think his willingness to shoot from anywhere off the dribble just opens up so much. He he looks like a guy like I would very much doubt if during this next NBA season, Tyrese Maxey passes up open threes like each. There will happen very rarely that Tyrese Maxey will pass up open shots from now on. Yeah, he's definitely been willing to let them fly. And th- all the like the coming off a high pick and roll and just immediately launching the, the step back stuff, all the, the off the dribble shot creation he's displayed. It's all very encouraging. Um, yeah. I, I definitely don't think there's ever going to be a, a stage moving forward where he just passes up open shots. We might not see the, the kind of like step back stuff we're seeing in summer league because in the NBA regular season, he, he might not have that green light like he is in summer league where they're just telling him to like go experiment and, just try everything um but yeah it's it's been awesome to see he's he continues to just be able to get to the room because he's quicker than everyone and then even if there's guys in the painted area there to contest the shots like some of the scoop and like awkward angled shots that he gets up and finishes it's just remarkable to watch for for a guy that's still just 20 years old to have those kind of uh, like contortionary abilities and ability to get those, those shots up and in. Um, I I was thinking about this uh, yesterday, just 
in a vacuum, you you wanted the Sixers to like make the big trade last year if like the if the Rockets ownership had been willing to make the Harden trade. You're like, oh yeah, Simmons for Simmons and Maxi for Harden. That's something you do. But even though you'd still have Harden on the team, I I, I just part of me is just really happy that Maxi is still on this roster. And uh, no, dude, don't you remember <laughs> that um after our after the James Harden trade went down, we I think I titled the episode James Harden is not a sixer, but Tyrese Maxey still is. So <laughs> it was very much at the time, like very happy that he stayed here. Um, and like what you're saying about how fast he is. I mean, that's what I used a lot to explain him during the regular season to people. Just it's such a huge advantage how fast he moves the ball in his hands. Probably the only guy at Summer League who ever looked any faster on the court was Kyra Lewis from New Orleans, who, I mean, Kyra has always been that fast. I mean, even watched him at Alabama, but man, like, I, I don't know how much, this is probably the absolute highest end outcome. I mean, it's only two years in, but that you could expect from a 21st overall pick if you're the Sixers. Just absolutely nailed that pick in every single way. Yep, certainly a case of everyone kind of overthinking things in, in the mid to late lottery. Uh, you You led the charge on draft night of being overly thrilled that Maxi somehow fell to the Sixers at 21. Um, and I think everyone was kind of just a little in disbelief that a guy of his draft status was still available and the Sixers jumped on him and there's no looking back at this point. He, he really looks like a, at the very least a long-term rotation player in the NBA. And from what we've seen in the limited time, it just the star potential looks there too. Like, yeah, I, I would say at the moment I'm, I'm, I'm not like I'm about as close to 100% sure as you can be that he will start for like several seasons in the NBA. I think the the big question is if he really became that good of a shooter, which is a huge if. There might be an All Star appearance in his future down the line, but I mean we don't have to go into that right now. Um, if, just a few things maybe Tyrese could improve on from the two games that we've seen. Um, I think his defense has been point of attack fine. And he does have some amazing recovery skills. We all saw that one pin block against the backboard that got called off by the foul. I think his... that was the foul, not on, not on him, by yes. the way, we should just, in case no one knows exactly what we're talking about. Like somebody, somebody else fouled a driver on his way to the rim and then the guy got the shot off and Maxi pinned it to the backboard. It yeah, was, it looked, it looked very cool. Um, it was incredible. But I think his screen navigation has been a little lacking. He is not like pushing guys over the top because there are like two ways to navigate screens. If you want to look at guys for the Sixers summer league team have both done a good job of it. It's Jaden Springer and Isaiah Joe, whereas Jaden kind of like power navigates where he just tries to lean into someone's body and guide them over the screen as he goes through, like not lose connection because he is so strong. He just sits in a stance and is able to kind of, brush through the pick or you have Isaiah Joe who is very very skinny but he uses that skinny to kind of dip and slither his shoulder around and stay in front you know kind of playing to his length Tyrese really wasn't doing either of those there were a lot of ball screens set against him that had him trailing so that's something that I think could improve I remember it was a problem for him during this regular season at times and offensively all I really have is that I wish he would – he seemed, like, a little too I have to drive. Like, it's like when you're playing guys, like, if you're playing a little brother who was a little bit worse than you, 
and you always try to drive right, which is great, but you're also like, you also in the back of your head know you should be driving left some because you cannot do this against everybody. Tyrese Maxey seemed very inclined to try and go hang gather, hezzy dribble, and then get to his right again. I would like to see him a little more inclined to go left. You know, it's always good to keep mixing up, but that's really, those are two very small nitpicks. That's really all I got on him. Yeah, on the on the defensive end, um, he he definitely made good strides in his rookie year. Uh, I, I don't think he's a fully polished defender yet, and and especially in summer league where they're asking him to do so much offensively, it might be just a case of it's hard to ex- expend maximum effort on both ends um, when he's playing the majority of these games and he's the primary ball handler, the primary scorer for the team. Um, it it would be perhaps a bit much to ask him to also be giving a hundred percent on the defensive end. And not, not that he's not trying. I think he's he's giving plenty of effort. I just think it's certain technique things. I remember from the regular season, he just like that can be fine tuned a lot because screen navigation is very important. I mean, how many times did you hear it talked about drew holiday of the bucks in the NBA finals, because drew holiday is basically the best screen navigator in the NBA. It's, like, it's very important if you're a guard defender. Yeah, yeah you, that's what NBA offense is now, is just setting screen after screen until you can create a mismatch. And if a guy is able to kind of disrupt that because he's so skilled at either getting around screens and recovering or getting through screens, then that is, that's a huge boon for a defensive unit. Um, so you mentioned Springer, uh, I guess, he can be the next guy we talk about as the team's top overall pick in this 2021 draft. Uh, yeah, the defense has been as advertised. It, it looks like he's ready to be an NBA defender day one. Yeah, dude, um, like they, the Mavs like would drive near him and try to, there were so many funny plays where someone tried to spin around him and then he just kind of slid there and they hit his chest. And it's like one of those, oh no moments where you hit his chest and you realize he's not moving backwards anymore. I yeah. like I, people have been really down on Springer online. I've talked to a lot of people say, oh, he had a pretty rough game. He looked so I understand the offense left a lot to be desired. His defense, man, is just, it is a big step up. He is already look like a guy who will he looks like he can come into the nba and be a plus defender from day one which i think is incredible for a rookie um and the offense i i know with like he hit the side of the backboard on the one three his shot he does need to figure some things out i think with not like the his release form but with his lower body how he's shooting because he's kind of like catch dip then go back up shot right now which is kind of awkward he kind of needs to figure all that out uh, he's a little too in love with the little elbow jumpers, even though he doesn't get a ton of separation on them. So that's another thing he needs to sort out. But I've also seen really great flashes, like the one where the ball fell to him in the corner. He reverse pivoted, spun around, used his offhand to create that separation versus defender, then a up and under finish with one foot, which is just that offhand and that one foot finish are two things he didn't do a lot in college, some of the guile he needed. And to see a, like a flash like that, just leaves me encouraged. I I know Springer probably did not dominate like most Sixers fans wanted. Like he did not look as good as Tyrese Maxey. So did like 99% of the rest of the summer league. Tyrese Maxey's been the one of the best players there. I think that Springer showing just ex- like we said, exactly what he was on defense, that he is it going to be 
just a guy you can put out there right away and teams will not go after him because there's no reason to go after him. And then someone who I think in time might really develop those offensive traits. Like people joke about me and the Liberty Ball are slack as the young and I, and I'm almost two years older than Jaden Springer. So just give him some time people. Yeah. Just, just, just generally we knew when they made the pick that he was going to be a little bit of a project as a guy that was extremely young for his draft class and everyone kind of recognized that, Hey, this is great value that this guy fell to him. There were probably more like immediately ready to contribute guys. They could have taken like guys you would just plug in and say, okay, for the 2021, 2022 NBA season, this guy might be more helpful for a championship push but we're taking Jaden Springer because we feel like getting him where we got him, there was no one that had a higher ceiling down the road. So the defense has been amazing. And I, yeah, I'm not down on him at all. I think, I think nothing has changed. I think he's a high ceiling guy that is someone that down the road could be really helpful for this franchise. Um, my main takeaway is that I, I don't think he's going to be in the rotation this year, just because offensively, I think he needs a lot of polish. I, I expect to see him in Delaware a fair bit, just to give him those reps to continue to expand his offensive game. K- kind of like what they did with Maxi in summer league, where they say, he, Hey, here's the keys, like experiment, be, be free to do some things that you wouldn't normally do with if on, on a setting where like Maxi at the NBA level where, where he's not going to be taking over like, Hey Springer, try to take over in, in the G league this year. Um, because he, he, and, and you, you mentioned some of the good things he did on, on offense. And he certainly did. He had moments where he, 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 he flashed very, very well. And he, he has a, a good ability to get into the paint, like as a driver. Oh, oh yeah. Because like you, so there are like several ways to get in the paint, obviously. Like you can be Tyrese Maxey where you just need like one wrong step and then you're so yeah. fast. You're getting you're just faster. Yeah. You could do the Joel Embiid, which is just <laughs> everyone Stronger. backs up. So you're yeah, Joel Embiid, <laughs> seven, seven feet in a like gigantic monster, man. <laughs> that, that's how you get in the paint. Um, Jaden Springer has obviously the power and then he has the bend in his knees that you really need where again, it's like, he just needs a small misstep because he gets lower than you. So he almost always wins the leverage game when two bodies hit, which allows him to kind of work his way into the paint. And like, you're right, like paint touches matter and he is able to get them. And I, I do understand what you're saying that there's a good chance he will not be in the rotation much this year. I still think he'll get some time because also the way he plays and being at the size he's at, you do not need him as like the defending the smallest player on the court or kind of like just being a primary ball handler. Like, I think you can, that's, it was cool to see him and Tyrese Maxey playing together because I very much think you, we, those two work together in a lineup. Um, PD Webb at Above the Break 3 on Twitter, he, had a, he told us a while back, like, um, you know, he wants a, like, phone – he wants to have notifications set on his phone whenever Maxey and Springer lineups are on the court because, as he said, that those, base, those two are basically a terror for any guard who does not love the weight room because those two are – those are two very strong guards who are just going to be pushing people around. And I, like we said in that Mavs game, Tyrell Terry did not have a fun time going against them. 
No. What was that Mavs team the worst summer league you can remember? I see, I don't know enough summer league. <laughs> I think the Sixers, like the Sixers came out playing very well that day. Like if we'll talk we should talk about the next guy, but if Tyrese Maxey and Isaiah Joe hit that many threes in the first quarter, it's not really fair to your team. That's just that just doesn't usually happen at summer league. Like the Sixers brought a very good team with a quite a few guys. Like I'm would you say that Maxi, Joe, and Paul Reed, and I guess Paul Reed's the wild, wild card, but Maxi and Joe are almost for sure guaranteed rotation minutes this next year on a good team. Yeah, uh, they, I, Joe is, is going to see time. I don't know if he's going to be a part of the regular rotation for sure, just because they brought Corkmoss back to, mm-hmm. and so he kind of fills that shooter role. Um, it, it, it could be, uh, yeah, Joe's going to see time. I don't know if he's, he's, he's more of like a 11th man to me at this point. Maxi, Maxi a hundred percent is going to be at least the backup point guard. And there's, there's a Avenue where he's like a starter this year. So um, if, if a Simmons trade goes down then depending on what the return is. So yeah, they're, they absolutely, the Sixers this year's summer Sixers are an extremely above average summer league team. Um, but yeah, the Mavs just, they didn't have any, they didn't have a draft pick this year. So they didn't have like a high level prospect you're interested in looking at. Josh Green wasn't playing because he just participated in the Olympics um, and he was their only first round pick from the previous year. So it was like a couple second round picks who haven't flashed at all. They haven't been like the Isaiah Joe level of like, oh, this guy could exceed his second round draft position. Like it was guys that have largely been disappointing. Um, and that's usually the case with second round picks. So it's, and then other like no name guys that, that was their team. So it, it just, and then you had the Hawks where like, Oh, suddenly Sharif Cooper looks like a guy that everyone in the league is going to look really dumb for passing on. Uh, I don't know. You kind of led the charge with Sharif Cooper, this last draft class. And, uh, yeah, he, he looks like a tremendous value for the Hawks at 48, uh, having him backing up Trey for the next half decade, at least uh, Atlanta looks set at the point guard position. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, I know the Mavs didn't have a great team. I, there's, it is one of the fun things of summer league where you see guys where you had forgot about them for a bit and then they come back. Like um, I believe their center Tariq Owens. I saw the last name. I saw the headband and it clicked. Oh, he was the center on that Texas tech team that was in the national championship. Like always kind of cool to see that pop up. Um, but we should talk about Isaiah Joe because, man, <laughs> I, I, when was the last time the Sixers had a guy like him where his basically his whole thing is shooting threes and drawing fouls, which I kind of love. He is just trying to run around as much as he can, hunt those threes. He's not, he is, unlike Jaden Springer and Tyrese Maxey, he is not getting paint touches, but it is fine by him if he keeps shooting like that from the angles he can. You cannot close out too hard on him because he, falls down every time and he falls down in a way that sells it really well. And then on defense, he's very quick and has incredible timing for when to get charges. Like knowing when guys will spin back into him and being as skinny and light as he is, he sells it really well too. Like I understand that with like Furkan Korkmaz back with them, Matisse Thibel back, even Shake Milton, these guys are like like size who you could say are quote unquote wings in some way or, bring some of the things that he's trying to bring I, I do want to see him get time because he's looked really good he has absolutely and I, yeah I think I think he will see time uh for sure you know injuries happen and there will be 
games that are maybe maybe Quirk Monster is really struggling, and Doc goes with Joe because he wants he wants a shooter out there. So if you're quote unquote shooting option off the bench isn't isn't hitting then if you have another one that you can give a shot to then why not why not try him um yeah everything you mentioned is correct like joe's funny he's like this this wispy reed in the wind so <laughs> he, he he just looks whenever there's a, a massive amount of contact on either end like the refs are willing to give him the benefit of the doubt. It's like the anti Shaq thing where oh, Shaq yeah. was just such a dominant physical presence that he never got calls. Like Joe seems to get every call because he's, he's giving high level effort, but then he's just so slight of frame that they're like, Oh, that must've been a foul. Um, but yeah, you're right. He does have a really good sense for, for how to play defense. And he works really hard on that end. He's like the guard version of Ursan Ilyasova in terms of drawing charges, uh, which, which is fun. Um, and then, yeah, offensively he's, he, we saw it last year, but he can shoot from like 27 feet. So he has this r- tremendous range. He has a quick release. He, he gets the shots up like in a really small window and he's an, he's an excellent shooter. So you want a guy like that to, to get high level or high, high volume shots off. Um, so, so any offense would, would is benefits from having a guy like that. But then also the, the thing that is really encouraging this summer league is, is we're kind of seeing playmaking ability from him yeah, that's a, that's that, a that we didn't see in the past. He, like he had some passes, like trying one handed passes in transition, the six or summer league team, honestly, of all center, summer league teams is like leading the charge in tight, difficult window transition passes, which is kind of interesting to see. He had the one behind the back to Petrushev, yeah, out of the pick and roll. Like, dude was definitely showing off his skills with the ball in his hand. Um, so yeah, I it is hard to it's hard to see a pathway to him for good minutes in the regular season, but I really want to see it because I think he can definitely like play a role for this team as a that kind of high level shooter with some size like obviously not gonna be a huge interior presence but like I just feel like you have to get a guy like him on the court because I think he's going to help your team in a lot of ways I think he can come and hit some shots get draw fouls and just like give you good positive plus minutes every night yeah he he's gonna he's gonna play some like they're, they're like I said injuries happen um, guy, other guys have to step up. There are going to be occasions this season where it's like, all right, this is this is the Isaiah Joe night where he he has to be like the eighth man, and he's going to have to be a contributor if we're going to get this win. Um, and from what we've seen, he will be ready to uh, to seize those opportunities when they become available. Which is, you know, that's that's all you can really ask for from a a second year guy who was a second round pick in the draft. Like he's exceeded expectations. Um, and, you know, credit to, to Daryl and the front office and the scouting departments. Cause it seems like they really crushed the uh, 2020 NBA draft. Um, the Sixers guys from that draft class have been performing outstanding. That, that probably means it's probably a signal for us. Like, yeah, I always post the name. It's the bat signal for Paul Reed, B-ball Paul. It is time to talk about him. Um, it is the signal the the quad driving over the the mud bumps that Daryl always posts on Twitter. That that could be the signal too, but it's, it's Paul Reed. It is Paul Reed time. Um, 
He's a very interesting player, honestly, to see in person. Like I had suspected while watching him this past year, he fouls everybody on every single play. When if someone comes down for a rebound, he is very much willing to use his length. He will try and pressure people by like just jabbing at them with his long arms. He's pushing them in the back if he wants rebounds, putting his head down and extending his arms. Like basically he knows that a lot of his advantage is in his length. So he tries to use that even if he will get called for fouls on some of them. Um, he got a little too ambitious sometimes trying to ISO and self-create where he kind of has to keep his head down while he's dribbling in traffic and that did not go very well. But once he, if he can get his shoulder past someone, whether it's on an advantage that's already been created or on an advantage that he sometimes creates himself, once his shoulders pass him and he's through the traffic, he's a pretty good finisher at the rim with some touch. So that was interesting to see. Um, yeah, but just like, it did not look fun to be playing against Paul Reed because it's just not, it's just not enjoyable playing against a guy whose arms are that long and that active that you cannot you cannot be sleeping for any second against Paul Reed or he's going to make you pay. As a player, you never enjoyed going against somebody that had that high a motor. Um, you, you just kind of want to be like, man, can't you just relax and take a playoff every once in a while? Like, this is crazy. <laughs> okay, so I, so I played some games. I played two games of pickup while in Vegas with some people I knew. And I, the, the, okay, the biggest difference between me and Paul Reed, it's such a weird thing to say, but the biggest difference is that whereas Paul Reed is like, whatever, plus, plus whatever on wingspan, I'm about a minus five wingspan. Like I've gotten many T-Rex, T-Rex gifts sent my way in my time. that I just do not have any length, but. You got JJ Reddick arms, huh? If you ask, if you ask <laughs> certain people on Twitter who I was playing against, um, they, uh, they will tell you that I was an offensive rebounding machine somewhat <laughs> that I am very, I am very much annoying to play against and pick up because I do not stop running. I do not stop gunning for offensive rebounds. If you do not have the will to box out, I'm going to try and grab every board I can. It may have led to me being called white Kenneth Fareed at one point. <laughs> <laughs> Ken so, yeah. Fareed in summer league this year, by the way, we should yeah, mention. <laughs> that was a, the, Port, the Portland team that was starting him. Him, Michael Beasley, and uh, Emmanuel Moutier. Just an interesting team. Yes. Good to see they're, they're seeing those young developmental guys and using Summer League for that. <laughs> also, Brandon Knight playing for the Brooklyn Nets, including, was it, I think in the one game against the, uh, I can't remember which team they were playing, but there was the one game that the Nets played where Brandon Knight got eight fouls. You, only, you get 10 to foul out in Summer League. So always seeing the eight foul guys is pretty funny. <laughs> yeah exactly um yeah so paul reed he, to me he he just he's kind of a chaos element in my mind and 90 percent of the time it's it's in a good way for for the sixers he's just all over the offensive glass we saw the the one huge putback dunk he had off i think it was a springer miss um and and Ray just threw it down in the Hawks game um, defensively, he makes a, a lot of disruptive plays. He, he has great, as, as you mentioned, his wingspan is tremendous. So he has great length on the defensive end and he has good instincts as far as like cutting off passing lanes or getting in front of a, a, a like fronting the post or just get, getting around off ball screens and stuff. Like he does a good job with that kind of stuff. Um, he does have a tendency to kind of like fall asleep on that end from time to time. Um, and just, 
maybe that's just a product of still being re- relatively young. You you would hope that he would kind of grow out of that kind of thing. Well, wasn't um, it Tobias Harris who said that Paul Reed would be the one he trusted the least on the Sixers to ordain a wedding? Because quote Paul has no idea what's going on ever. <laughs> how do, how does that relate to? ordaining a wedding <laughs> it's well, that, a weird analogy for device to make well it's because like you're saying he falls asleep sometimes that could be just you know we don't know what's going through paul's head maybe yeah. paul is just like he's just, ha- just having a good time out there yeah he definitely is um he, he's having fun out there on the court and as as a result we have fun watching him which is this is a form of entertainment so uh i'm all, I'm all for the b-ball paul experience of course um but yeah, what 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 worries me is that some of his his stuff doesn't he doesn't he doesn't extrapolate as like helpful role player for a contending team. He's he's more like, hey, I'm a extremely effective player in like a summer league environment, and I need to see more like refined. These are the things that I do extremely well to help a contending team like along the margins when I don't have the ball in my hands and I just need to be this rotation piece. Um, I don't know what, like that's someone mentioned this on Twitter and it's just kind of stuck with me. Like is, is, is there, what's the version of Paul Reed that as like a ninth man is a really helpful role player for a Sixers team with title contention aspirations? Well, he could come in like, I think the key would he has to be he had to play well enough at the backup five, which obviously the backup five this year for the Sixers is going to be Andre Drummond, but you know you never know of health or whatever happens. So I think like the fully optimized version of Paul Reed probably for the Sixers is he is able to play up to the five spot and can come in and just give you a ton of energy right there. What like you said, creating havoc on defense, some rim runs or occasional attacks or closeouts to score at the rim all that kinds of stuff. And you only have to do that for like 10 to 15 minutes if you're the backup center. So I I doubt we would see that quote unquote fully actualized version of Reed this next year, but that's probably what I'm thinking. Okay. Yeah. He he can definitely do like the rim running stuff and because he's such a active player and he really attacks the boards hard. And like you said, he has really good touch around the rim. So those a lot of those second chance points would be there for him he has really um, good touch again if his shoulder is past the defender already if he has gotten the lane he can kind of like because he's flexible with his arms he can kind of maneuver it midair if there's someone already still in front of him it, it, there were a lot of like left-handed misses that kind of barely grazed the rim because he again his head is down as he's like kind of about to throw those up yeah so I, I guess for me it would just be like he has to be more disciplined defensively if, if he's going to be like that quote unquote backup five or backup big that you can count on for 10 to 15 minutes. Um, yeah. He, and, and as we discussed earlier, like he has the, the physical tools to do it. I think he just has to kind of refine his, his game on that end and be, be more disciplined. Um, but again, he's, he's young. He has very limited experience at the NBA level. So you know, as, as a 22 year old that still, still has a lot of uh, developmental work to be on, like maybe he'll, he'll get there. And I, I think we should all just still be encouraged by his progress. And he's doing mo- like 
the majority of the things you want to see him doing at the summer league level, he's certainly doing. So there's, there's no reason to be down on him. Um, I was just, uh, that was something I was thinking about is just like what aspects of his game really contribute in, in a role player capacity versus being kind of one of the, these stars in the summer league setting. Wow. Sean confirmed as the first person of Sixers Twitter <laughs> to hate Paul Reed. <laughs> I love, I love B-ball fall. Do not put this on me. Sean has taken all of the Seth Curry hate and he's gone another <laughs> heel turn towards B-ball Paul. I, where will it end? <laughs> Seth is one of my favorite players on the Sixers. So it's, and, it's, and it's funny. It's funny that never, you've saddled me with this. <laughs> why do you never I, get a bell ringer to games five and six of the Hawks series? I don't know, man. You got you to gotta talk to the people on that one. I, 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 I push for him. <laughs> we all know you rigged the votes, so you might as well just ex- explain to us right now why he did not get it. And I mean, Paul Reed probably won't get one this next year because of you, not because of any other reason. <laughs> I guess time will tell. Uh, let's talk about just a few other players here for the Sixers Summer League team. Um, do you want to talk about Rajon Tucker? Uh, sure. Here's, here's my quick take on Rajon Tucker. Absolutely love watching Rajon Tucker on a basketball court. He, at any given moment, he's able to do something that like makes you stand up out of your seat, whether it's an incredible block or jumping out of the gym on an alley-oop attempt. Um, and always, he, even when he's not on the team, if he's not on the team down the road, the Sixers should bring him back just for, to participate in the, the warm-up dunk line for, pregame stuff uh love watching him in that i i don't i just i'm not 100 percent sure what his path is to like viable nba player i, I just he would, I, he would have to be a like 45 percent catch and shoot three-point shooter which i don't think is yeah. happening because he can catch and shoot and he like you said that dude just he will take off for dunks every time he and again in person like you can see kind of like he's a very muscly dude who definitely loves the weight room um the decision making just doesn't come to him with the ball in his hands and yeah if you're, if you're going to be a guard who is not an elite catch and shoot shooter and is not really a decision maker in any way you're a play finisher that's just a very hard archetype to live with so he like i said like you said he's probably not i mean maybe the sixers bring him back and keep him in the rotation this next year i mean not keep him keep him on the team not keep him in the rotation um yeah it's probably Again, you really want it to work, but you know why it doesn't is yeah. probably what it is with Rajon. Um, he, he remind he's kind of like a worse playmaking Justin Anderson in my I, mind. I saw Justin Anderson in summer league too and was rooting very hard for him. Um, <laughs> Justin bringing the intensity like always looks very muscular at the moment too. Um, but yeah, kind of similar vibes. Uh, I thought Aaron Henry, his handle looked pretty good. Yeah. He, nice I One thing I was shocking to me is that Aaron Henry is shorter in person than I thought he would be like he looked a good bit shorter than Isaiah Joe which I was not expecting yeah well Henry's he's like two inches shorter right he's what six six five six six Henry looks taller when you played in college because he had like a he had the kind of hair that was like straight up standing where it kind of added like a few inches to him and also he's a very muscular dude so playing in college like Having your hair like that and being muscular, you kind of look closer to six sevens. That's what I was thinking, like in my head. But then just after he cut his hair and seeing next to NBA sized players, like, oh yeah, this guy is more. This is not a three four kind of guy. It's more of a two three type type player. 
Yeah, that that's the correct assessment. Um, yeah, he he. I, I liked what I, a few things I've seen from him. He had he had a couple of really nice passes. Um, I it, it might have been Springer that was like cutting baseline and Henry drove and 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 hit him for a layup. Um, mm-hmm. I, I don't I don't quite. It might not have been Springer, but he hit he hit some teammate along for a baseline cut off off and drive that was really nice and showed some some good court vision. Um, yeah, he's been solid defensively. Uh, you know, hasn't really jumped off the screen too much but he flashed a couple nice plays uh as a guy that they brought in undrafted i i certainly see why they wanted to to get him into the program and there's there's some tools there they can work with so um yeah i'm encouraged that he could be something uh as a guy that they didn't expend any you know draft capital on like why not he's he's got some tools um Talking about the 50th overall pick, Philip Petrushev, uh, I know it's probably hard for him playing in a lineup with, again, four guys who could definitely see NBA minutes this year in Springer, Maxi, Reed, and Joe. Petrushev just – it's just the lack of speed. And, like, he does not have the shooting capability to really make up for it because when he tried to drive the ball in his hands or explode towards the rim, he does not cover a lot of ground horizontally midair, which makes it tough on him. He's not also just, like, rising over anyone for dunks. I just think he's a little too slow-footed for the NBA, especially at the moment. Um, we do know that he's going to be playing back overseas again this year. So, obviously, still time to develop. But I just think the lack of foot speed is probably holding Petrushev back at this time from the chance of being a contributing NBA player. Yeah, it could. Uh, he didn't do a terrible job. But, again, this is summer league. So, this isn't the cream of the crop. And it, he might be even more exposed at the NBA level. So that's, that's something to keep in mind. Um, I, I liked his rim protection. He's definitely a guy that seems to have good timing as a shot blocker. And he's, and while not having good foot speed, he's, he's definitely like active defensively and, and he's hustling out there. He's not, he's not a zero on that end in that, in that sense, but well, some of the rim protection is like rim protection is tricky. Some of those were like him helping over. Cause they like missed a pass down to the guy he helped off of, or my favorite one, it wasn't him, but when, Rajon Tucker, I think, got beat by, I want to say it was Sharif Cooper really bad on like a yeah. shot fake. He definitely then grabbed his arm as he drove by him, which should have been called for a foul. Then when he went up for a layup as he was getting fouled, Rajon did his thing where he jumped like 40 feet, 40 inches in the air and, you know, just spiked the ball back the other way. So, you know, like it should be a foul because Rajon got beat, but instead it looks like an awesome recovery block. So, you know, it's just rim protection is a tricky thing to evaluate sometimes like that. Yeah, that's true. Um, so so I, I thought his stroke from the outside looked good. He he's, hit, a little, he's a little hesitant. Uh, this is Petrushev, a little hesitant yeah. to shoot it sometimes. And he's always had this weird thing where his like, knees kind of like – his knees do a weird thing. He's like a little bent. It's like – I'm trying to describe it right. He like stutters with his knee bend where it's kind of like, you know, it looks like he's going down a little bit, but he's kind of unsure of it. It's just – it's a very slow, rigid release at the moment, which – Again, yeah. if he ever became like a very good knockdown shooter at the NBA level, like he'd get closed out on pretty hard. And I just don't think he can punish those closeouts, which is a problem. Yeah. Uh, again, I, I did see some things I liked, but you're, you're right there. There are certainly some limitations that were on display. And if we're seeing that in summer league, it, those would only be magnified at the, at the next level of competition. 
But, you know, again, it was a, a late second round pick and he's a stash, so he could continue developing over the next year. Um, so, yeah, not not a bad swing for Daryl and company to take. And I, I understand why they did it, because a stretch five type is maybe the most glaring need on the roster now. If if Maxi turns into that play playmaking guard that they needed, um, stretch five would be the biggest hole. So I understand why they did it. And it, it, it wasn't like they gave up too much or that was a very valuable pick to, to take the swing. But yeah, we'll see. Um, again, we, we're going to see two more games out of Petrosev and then we won't see him for another 12 months. So uh, we'll see what down the road, what, what the future holds for him. Also, uh, Dacian Nix from the G League. Uh, he did not play much against the Hawks, but got in some time against the Mavs. Uh, I liked what I saw generally, like his kind of promise was as a solid passer and he had some really nice transition hit aheads. think he can do some decent drive and kick things as well. So I, I was generally encouraged by him um, because again, like he's definitely not playing on the Sixers regular team this next year, but like a summer, uh, a summer, a G league team with him, Aaron Henry, and maybe for just a tiny bit, Jaden Springer, like I, I could see some value in that, like kind of those three guys is the all splitting ball handling duties in some way because I all think they justify it, at least in some sense. And kind of like as these stronger, bigger, stronger guys, if they were a little bit taller, they could be wings, but they're all kind of more, a little bit more guard-sized, but they're definitely big guards. I think you could play all three of them in a lineup, and I would kind of be interested to watch that. Like, that would be a fun Bluecoats team. Yeah, and and of course the Bluecoats uh, did make it to the the championship game last year. So we, we have a, tr- a proud Bluecoats tradition that they have to uphold um, full, full disclosure. I, I wasn't able to watch the Mavericks game in full. I, I only caught like the highlights and the clips from that one. Um, and, and, and Nick's only played three minutes in the Hawks game, which I did watch in full. So I don't, I don't have a lot of Deshaun Nick stakes is my, uh, is my, my main point there. <laughs> I um, having, having only, he didn't make the highlights from the Mavericks game. And I, I only saw three minutes of him in the Hawks game because that's all he played. <laughs> Other two guys who have basically gotten time are uh, Lamar Peters from Penn State and Braxton Key, who I want to say went to Virginia. I, I honestly want to look it up real quick. I think he went to Virginia, if I remember correctly. Um, Braxton Key is a guy you some people have seen around the NBA a lot the last few years. He just like kind of bounces around. One of those kind of summer league veterans who's bounced around to a lot of teams. Uh, and Key, Lamar- so Key went to Alabama and then transferred to Virginia. Okay. Okay. So you're right. And then Lamar Peters, I do remember him at Penn State, one of the the really good 2020 Penn State team that would have been in the tournament if they it happened that year. Um, I th- I think that's right at least. But uh, no, he. Oh, was he a few it, years earlier? Lamar Peters is, if my googling is correct, went. Maybe this is a different Lamar Peters, but he went to Mississippi State. Oh wait. Okay. I just want to check it because I know. Am I just like, oh yeah? Because I'm. You're, I you're thinking of Lamar Stevens. Yeah, I was thinking of Lamar Stevens. Um, yeah. who is yeah, a right. he, who's a Philly guy also. That's why. That's why I was thinking. Because I was just thinking, oh, they must have brought him in. You know, Penn State, Philly, like ah. Yeah, no. Stevens was part of that great Roman Catholic team, and then went to Penn State. No, you're definitely right. I and I knew that too because I saw Lamar Stevens in summer league. But uh, yeah, Lamar Peters went to Mississippi State. Uh, I mean, they had moments, hit some shots. Uh had some disruptive moments too, but they just really, 
they whereas like all these other guys were kind of granted reps of the ball in their hands like significant important reps they really weren't which I mean probably just tells you that the team isn't prioritizing their development at the moment which probably means that you won't see much more of them maybe they're on the summer league the I keep saying maybe they're on the G League team for this upcoming season, but that's probably about it. Uh, Anything else to talk about the summer league teams, or did we cover it all, Sean? Yeah, I think I think we we hit on all the uh, important guys. Um, Do you think? I don't know. Do you think Maxi and the rest continue to play the the other two games, and and the Summer Sixers have a shot at the G League title here, or not the G League title, the uh, Summer League title? I think that everyone except Maxi for sure plays, barring injury. Um, it's really tough to say if Maxi what's going to happen. Uh, I could definitely understand if they're like, hey, we've seen enough. You look great. We'll just shut it down. Um, I'll say that Maxi keeps playing, but like, again, if he falls at any moment or like if there's any moment where it looks like he might have hurt anything, like sore for a second, like he's done. Like <laughs> they're, not, they're not letting him play after that. Right. Um, again, it, 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 yeah, obviously if he looks to tweak an ankle or something, there's no way he's going back in a game. Um, but yeah, it, at, at, at the maximum it's, it's, well, actually either way, because even if you don't make the title game, everyone's playing like a consolation game. So it's, it's three more games. So yeah, I don't, I don't see, it's not like a load management issue to have Maxi out there. It's just whether they'd want to avoid the point zero zero one chance of like this serious injury in one of those three games um yeah i just as a fan i really hope that he continues to play and we get to see if the the sixers can the summer sixers can go five and oh and and win a summer league title that'd be pretty cool yeah i was about to say summer league banners hang forever but i actually don't know Mm -hmm. if they do (laughs) the the orlando summer league title I, I don't I don't know if they have the bat the banner up at uh at the Camden practice facility or not. They definitely had uh they definitely had t-shirts made. So um yeah, but we all have fond memories of those. So even if the banner doesn't hang forever, the memories last a lifetime. Exactly. <laughs> well, Sean, it's been great talking to you, great catching up. Uh also a little behind the scenes stuff for everyone. I put the reason we were recording this a day late is because I was very tired coming back from Vegas and not okay to do the podcast so just great on Sean to kind of bear with me as I kind of recovered from my Vegas jet lag so anyone that has been to Las Vegas knows knows the difficulty of the return flight to the east coast so everyone out there emphasizes with that (laughs) also shout out the Philly airport on my way there for not having any of the outlets by my gate work there was no one could charge anything so all of our devices died so you know Big ups, Philly Airport. <laughs> yeah, the Philly Airport is it's okay. not among the better airports in the country. Although, sorry, uh, sorry to say. Although, um, why does every airport have a tram except the Philly Airport? Because I do not like having to use the trams to like go from gate to gate. It's just not fun. Well, we well, need, we need yes. one unified airport design. They're, they're too diverse <laughs> in their designs. Uh, well, I mean, some airports are just way too big where you wouldn't it wouldn't be feasible without a tram uh the the orlando one is is one that comes to mind okay i've been i was in the orlando one back on new year's and that one again that tram is like very confusing because they do not tell you where you are going and at the (laughs) same time orlando airport 
was whack because I saw five several I saw about at least five birds that were not just like tiny birds these were like fairly large birds inside the airport and I was very confused the entire time what is going on here what is this place very much like walking down Las Vegas strip is this place real am I am I seeing this well that's just Florida Florida wildlife is crazy you can't you can't blame the airport for anything involving I, I can blame animal, the, the animal wildlife and in i Florida. can blame the airport for whatever <laughs> i want <laughs> well the the alternative is a situation like the detroit airport where there's this really long walkway instead of a tram and getting from one terminal to another literally takes you 25 minutes to walk so that could be really inconvenient if you're in a situation where a connecting flight you have to get there in a quick quick amount of time um but the Philly airport, regardless, Philly airport, not among the better airports, no yeah. matter how, no matter how you slice it. Yeah. Fix your outlets by gate. I think it's gate E something. Just go to all the outlets in gate E and fix them. Cause I did not, I was very frustrated not being able to charge my phone. Or else you'll get another, you'll get another scathing negative review on a basketball podcast. Exactly. <laughs> Big time threat. <laughs> Thank you all for listening to us. Uh, we will be back again next week talking to you about the Sixers, maybe hopefully recapping a Sixers Summer League Championship this time next week. But uh, until then, uh, everyone have a good time. Stay safe. And thank you all for listening. All right. Take care, everybody.